America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It's a great day to begin and uh, perfectly appropriate to begin today a Republican revival because the disappointment for the Republican Party at the <laughs> non-existence of a red wave people had heard that phrase so much and and now the, the Republicans have not even secured control of the House of Representatives uh, the number of seats that they will gain in the House even if they do win uh, bare control of 218 seats in the House It'll be one of the least successful elections ever for the party that's out of power, which usually gets a break and gains ground while the other party controls the uh, Congress of the United States particularly and the presidency as well. So in historical context, how does this Republican revival begin? and where does it go and what's the biggest obstacle to its success all of these matters are discussed by matt continetti he's a senior fellow and a uh, chair at the american prosperity uh... for the american enterprise institute in washington where his focus uh... is on american political thought and history He's the author of the best-selling new book, The Right, The Hundred-Year War for American Conservatism. Uh, Josh, bringing us up to date as to where we stand right now in that war, do you have any doubt at all that President Trump is going to go through with what seems to be a harebrained plan to announce his candidacy uh, tomorrow night? I think uh, all signs are, Michael, that he is uh, ready to go and ready to make some sort of announcement tomorrow uh, related to his presidential candidacy. Yes, I, I believe that's going to happen. And uh, do you think there's any doubt that the uh, uh, that he might surprise people and say, well, I've decided I'm not going to run for president. I'm going to be looking for some like Governor de Sanctimonious. Uh, uh yeah, I think that would be unlikely. You never can predict with Donald Trump, of course, but uh, I'd say judging by his um, attitude and the aftermath of this election toward Republicans, he considers rivals, Governor DeSantis of Florida, Governor Yunkin of Virginia. I think Donald Trump wants to prove that he is still king of the GOP. And so if you were advising him, and you've advised other politicians based upon your journalism and your historical writing, uh, what should President Trump say? Should he begin by denying that this was a disappointing election for conservatives? Well, uh, I, I always find it hard to put myself in the position of Donald Trump. Um, I would say that he's going to come out uh, tomorrow uh, and say that the reason that the GOP had such a disappointing election was that the GOP was not anti-establishment enough. Uh, I think he's going to blame Senator Mitch McConnell, um, and he's going to say that the Republicans were outspent. Uh, he won't mention, of course, that he spent very little of the money he's raised in support of his candidates, but I, I think McConnell 
the lack of spending. And then I think he's going to talk about um, the mail-in voting. Uh, that's always been a concern of his. Uh, it, it became a, a kind of a ID fix for him in the 2020. Um, and I think he'll use that to explain the disappointing Republican results as well. And I think he'll then say that the only way to win is with him at the top of the ticket, even though, in my view, um, the evidence doesn't bear that thesis out. Okay, what what would be the the best evidence that he could give that uh, putting him at the top of the ticket would be the way for party revival? I mean, I know he will use the fact that uh, there was a very high turnout election in 2020, and therefore he got the most votes ever for a president seeking re-election. Not the highest percentage, just the most raw votes. But other than that, what's the best case for Trump's electoral invincibility? Right. I think that he would say that um, some of the candidates in this cycle, so let's look at uh, J.D. Vance in Ohio and Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, did not turn out the Trump base in sufficient numbers, in particular in those kind of border counties between Ohio and Pennsylvania, real Trump territory, uh, old school uh, industrial counties, Appalachian counties. And so from the Trump perspective, he'd say that he's personally the only uh, candidate able to mobilize that voting base. It is true that Donald Trump mobilizes his supporters like few presidents or few candidates have. However, he also mobilizes his opponents, <laughs> and the opponents are, unfortunately for the Republicans, in larger numbers uh, than uh, Trump's. And so it's not necessarily the case. Uh, in fact, I think that we've seen in the 2018 midterm, we saw in the 2020 election, we saw in the Georgia special elections in the Senate in 2021, and then we see again this year, 2022, um, that despite his claims, Donald Trump um, is not an electoral asset for the national GOP. And in that context, uh, do you expect to see him uh, spending a lot of time down in Georgia at the side of his protege, Herschel Walker? I really don't know. Uh, I don't know what his response will be uh, to the many Republicans, uh, including many of his own supporters, saying maybe take a breather in between the announcement Tuesday, which was already hinted at prior to the election, uh, and the uh, Georgia special election, which will be in early December. On the, knowing Trump, though, he will want to make that special election another referendum on him. Um, and uh, it could be the case that, unlike in the special elections in 2021, if he's actively campaigning for Herschel Walker and telling his voters to trust the process and to vote, he could p potentially uh, bring Herschel Walker over the line. Because, of course, in last year's special elections, he was uh, condemning the entire process and basically um, disillusioning his own supporters. And that's one reason they... Uh, the Senate races went to the Democrats in Georgia. So uh, it's really up to him. I will say this, Michael, my analysis of the uh, exit polls and the electoral returns suggests that the, the degree to which a candidate was identified with Trump 
in these critical Senate races in swing states uh, hurt the candidate. And so uh, Georgia is now a swing state. And you can just see with the differential between the Republican incumbent governor Brian Kemp's performance and Herschel Walker's performance, the association with Trump hurt Walker, in addition to Walker's own, of course, um, flaws. But uh, there's no doubt that Donald Trump was not campaigning to Brian Kemp. He, of course, uh, is an enemy of Kemp's, tried to run a candidate to defeat Kemp in the primary, lost then, and didn't do anything to help Kemp in Georgia this time. Kemp came off with a, with a stunning victory. Uh, in fact, most of the attention, of course, is being paid to Ron DeSantis, but uh, Kemp, Kemp's victory shouldn't be denied um, either. I mean, he, he's now beaten um, Donald Trump in a primary or Donald Trump's stalking horse in a primary, and he's beating Stacey Abrams, the Democrat celebrity, twice. And uh, by a, a pretty comfortable margin this time. I, one of the things I'm, I'm talking about, I'm thinking about, Matt, and you also raise it, is in Ohio, the only Trump candidate who, who won was J.D. Vance. But he ran 20 points behind, 20 points, the triumphant second-term governor, Mike DeWine, who won by 25 points. We will be... Right back with Matt Continetti of the American Enterprise Institute, the author of The Right, The Hundred-Year War for American Conservatism. It's outrageous what's going on out here. The Michael Medved Show. On the Michael Medved Show, in his piece in uh, the New York Times, Matthew Continetti of the American Enterprise Institute writes uh, under the headline, The Biggest Obstacle to a Republican Revival is named Trump. And he brings up to win a national majority, Republicans must rack up big margins among independents and suburbanites and narrow their differences with moderates. Now, why is that? It's because, well, the non-suburbanites, people who live in our urban centers, are so overwhelmingly democratic. And not to the benefit of those urban centers, by the way. After Tuesday, it is obvious, he writes, uh, to all but his most blinkered fans that Mr. Trump has made the task more difficult. So if, if we're going to avoid uh, another primary election battleground where there are a whole horde of candidates challenging President Trump. And if President Trump goes ahead with his uh, third race for the presidency, what's the best strategy for someone, whether it's a DeSantis or a Yunkin or a, a Kemp or Larry Hogan wants to run, Chris Christie wants to run, uh, Mike Pence is running, as his book signifies. For any of those individuals who want to take on President Trump, what's the essential element uh, that would make their success possible? Well, Michael, as your question implied, the longer that list of names gets, the harder it becomes for any one of these candidates to defeat Trump. And that is simply because President Trump enters the race, the 2024 nomination, with a hold of, I'd say, about 30% of the vote. 
let's recall he got 45% of the total vote in the Republican primaries in 2016. That's not a majority of the Republican vote, but it was enough because of the splintered field to win the nomination. So he starts off with about 30%, and that means that the field needs to somehow consolidate again around a non-Trump alternative, a candidate who can both uh, include populists inside his coalition, but also independence uh, in a potential general election. And uh, that that candidate, to me, as I do my analysis, is is DeSantis. He's already emerged prior to last week as the second choice of Republican voters. Actually, the first choice in some state early state polls uh, in a Republican primary. And then he is, of course, the major story out of this election. It was a disappointing election for the Republican Party nationally. The Republicans really had two bright spots. One was in New York, where they didn't win the governor's race against Kathy Hochul, but the surge for the Republican candidate Lee Zeldin actually flipped several House districts. The Republican majority, if that's what it comes down to in the House, will be narrow, and it will be... uh, the consequence, I think, of the Zeldin candidacy, even though he didn't win. And the other bright spot, of course, is Florida, where Republicans swept and uh, DeSantis beat his rival, Charlie Crist, by 20 points, over a million votes. That's a Reagan-like number. And uh, Marco Rubio also won, and they picked up some House seats there in Florida. So uh, coming out of this election, I think DeSantis resembles in many ways Uh, then-Governor George W. Bush, who was one of the few silver linings in the 1998 midterm election. Uh, One of the other instances, there are only four instances in the past century where a midterm (laughs) did not go against uh, the incumbent uh, president's party. Um, And so I think Republicans might draw a lesson then, say, look, W took us from a defeat in 1998 to the White House in 2000. Perhaps it can be a candidate like DeSantis who can do the same between 22 and 24. And he also became then in 2004 the only Republican in a generation to actually win a majority of the popular vote. Yes, yes, he did. And um, that, too, is a number that I think should bother Republicans and conservatives. Now, which is true, the Electoral College decides the presidency. And, um, you know, there are many Democrats who had never received a majority of the popular vote. Uh, Bill Clinton, of course, never received a majority of the popular vote. But it is something that um, since 1988, the Republicans have won the popular vote for presidency exactly one time. And um, that, that's almost, you know, that, that's 35 years uh, when we get to the next uh, presidential election. Um, and I think it's time for the Republican Party to take a hard look in the mirror. This is not what I am recommending, the same as the GOP autopsy that followed 2012. I think that document was atrocious. What it is about, though, is thinking how best can uh, conservatives communicate their principles to the ideological center of the country, to the independent voters, to the suburbanites who really will decide elections. We know that they agree with conservative principles on public safety, on education, on political correctness, on border security. But what they don't like are candidates who uh, frighten them um, because of uh, their uh, 
either extreme positions uh, or uh, because of their um, susceptibility to conspiracy theories. Hmm. And um, uh, do um, one of the things that they just did a, a major survey of um, Republican opinion uh, at University of California, Davis, there are a number of researchers who uh, and, and they came to the same conclusion you did that um, a, about a third of Republican voters, which comes to about 15 percent of all voters in the country, are MAGA loyalists. They are people who will support Trump uh, and they'll continue supporting Trump perhaps forever. Uh, does um, uh, What does DeSantis do to avoid becoming the arch irreconcilable arch enemy of uh, that Trumpian base of the Republican Party? I think the first thing he does, Michael, is not take the bait. Don't respond to the attacks, at least not now, not when you're still a governor, not when you have this legislative session coming up early next year. Let Trump out there keep flailing and, and come across as the bigger leader. I think that will help Ron DeSantis establish himself as the primary alternative to Donald Trump in 2024. And we already see some movement in the polls. This is early days. I think it's going to be a hard fight ahead. I think what's happening in the House of Representatives next year will affect this fight. But I think the first lesson for DeSantis is don't take the bait. Continue to do what you've been doing. And uh, in terms of the leadership in the House, um, McCarthy, the inevitable and appropriate choice? He seems to have locked up a lot of support. But I think going into this next round, this next cycle, no, no one should feel entitled to a position. Um, it's not as though the Republican leadership has uh, displayed winning colors here. <laughs> um, but I do think McCarthy has the support to be the next Speaker of the House. Uh, great to talk to Matt Continetti. His uh, book is called The Right, The Hundred-Year War for the Conservative uh, Movement. We uh, will be right back on the Michael Medved Show. As some news from Hollyweird, which is shocking, actually. Get to that and more coming up. Show. I mentioned some news out of Hollywood. It's actually news from Hollywood that spans the globe. Uh, records have been broken by the uh, new Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever. And honestly, when I read the numbers this morning, it is completely unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, it's a phenomenon. And uh, the... Uh, $330 million in global ticket sales after it opened, uh, that according uh, to uh, Disney. Now, in in an opening weekend to do $330 million, it's $180 million here in the United States. What's so remarkable about that is this, and it's interesting, is my reservations about the movie which I liked with some reservations. We'll play the review uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, the, the movie's two hours and 40 minutes long. It's about 
twice the length of a normal movie. And sometimes the title is Wakanda Forever, and that's what it feels like. It's There are very, very few people, as Dr. Johnson once said about Paradise Lost, where none would say it were too brief. The movie goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on. It's probably still going on. In fact, it's probably still showing someplace at great profit. But see, what's amazing about that is that when you're running a movie at a theater and the movie movie's two hours and 40 minutes long, you can't run it that many different times in a day without you know, doing screenings at two in the morning. And and yet, despite the lack of number of screenings that are possible because of the length of the movie, the fact that it did so well. And then the other item is the big star of the guy who played Black Panther to begin this franchise. And that movie ended up uh, doing 1.4 billion worldwide. It's the 14th highest grossing movie of all time. The first Black Panther, well, the star of that movie, Chadwick Boseman uh, died uh, two years ago from colon cancer. So he was not available. They have some footage of him, some outtakes and uh, some footage of him that they feature here, but he's dead at the beginning of the movie. And the entire thing is sort of seen as a tribute to the first King T'Challa, a Black Panther. and, uh, and But then he doesn't appear, and the rest of the franchise is covered by his th- sister and his mother and others, and then a, uh, a new uh, bad guy who is called Namor. Um, in any event, it is uh, a, a, an amazing achievement, and uh, again, there are obviously people out there, and uh, probably billions of them by now, who um, who enjoy the movie and are glad that it takes almost three hours of their lives. Uh, speaking of Hollywood, there was also a defense of Governor DeSantis, and not a defense of Governor DeSantis against Donald Trump, who calls him Governor DeSanctimonious, and who says that he's at best average and that he's going to say unflattering things about him, uh, oh, uh, we um, there was a defense of DeSantis uh, by uh, Bill Maher, and uh, he, he was actually calling uh, for DeSantis to run uh, right away and to not delay in, in taking on uh, President Trump. And meanwhile, in uh, Ukraine, there has been a dramatic development uh, the, at the G20 meeting in Indonesia, as reported uh, a few hours ago. The Indonesian officials say that the foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, who's often the number two guy you see instead of Putin, big guy, Putin being a little guy, Lavrov was taken to the hospital and reports of a heart attack uh, with uh, Russian officials um, not really sure how to handle this. Uh, he was uh, due with the G20 after Putin bowed out suddenly. 
So what's going on? This uh, a report from the G20, clip 11. Uh, Indonesian officials are reporting that Russian Foreign Minister Sergei, Sergei Lavrov taken to the hospital after arriving for the G20 summit in Bali. What, what is going on? Is there anything that you know that you can tell us about the situation there? Yeah, this is breaking news. Just happened within the last hour. Let's, of course, back up a step and note, of course, Vladimir Putin skipped the G20. Right. He originally had signaled his intention to attend. Indian, Indonesian <coughs> officials had said Putin was going to be here. U.S. officials, as recently as a week ago, also thought Putin was going to be here, although they were going to take pains to make sure that Biden and Putin's paths never crossed here in Bali. But then Putin bowed out in the wake <coughs> of a, another humiliating defeat for the Russian army in Ukraine. Lavrov uh, was to come in his stead. He was at Cambodia in Cambodia over the weekend uh, and then was arrived today. Indonesian officials say that he it's a sort of heart issue. That's all they said. We don't know more than that. Russian officials are downplaying it, saying that Lavrov is fine. But again, G20 summit organizers say Lavrov was hospitalized. Okay, so a fairly dramatic development. And uh, meanwhile, there's no one uh, of top level representing Russia uh, at a time when President Biden uh, is trying to enlist the help of the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, in pressuring North Korea. Uh, this was, again, President Biden from his news conference this morning. This is clip nine. It's difficult to say that I'm certain that, that China could control North Korea, uh, number one. Number two, I made it clear to uh, President Xi Jinping that I thought they had an obligation to attempt to make it clear to North Korea that they should not engage in long-range nuclear tests. And I made it clear as well that if they did, they, meaning North Korea, that we would have to take certain actions that would be more defensive on, on our behalf and it would not be directed against North Korea. I mean, excuse me, it would not be directed against China but it would be to send a clear message to North Korea. We are going to defend our allies as well as American soil and American capacity. Okay, uh, defending our allies and American soil, I mean, obviously important. Look, uh, a trip to Indonesia, even if you're flying on Air Force One, um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where President Biden, who, according to all his aides and advisors and supporters, is invigorated by the Democrats' unexpected level of success in uh, in the midterm elections. By the way, it's very unlikely that they will take the House of Representatives, but they are keeping it very close in the House of Representatives, and they will definitely have control of the Senate, either the same way they do now, <clears throat> or if... Um, Herschel Walker wins the runoff in Georgia. It would be uh, it would be fifty-fifty uh, share the Senate. If uh, if Raphael Warnock wins, it will be fifty-one forty-nine for the Democrats, and and that's important because it will make it easier significantly for them to get through some of the nominations, particularly judicial nominations, uh, which, uh, whether or not there's another opening on the Supreme Court, there's not likely to be, not in the next two years. But uh, there are many other judgeships that uh, where the openings and the confirmations will be very important. 
there is a, um, a basic message that a number of people are seeing from these elections. Uh, Jonathan Weissman and Katie Gluck in uh, the New York Times write under the headline, on the right and on the left, people voted to reject extremists. How so? We'll get to that and more on The Medved Show. You're right. You're right about that. Michael Medved. You're right. And on The Michael Medved Show, uh, Ron DeSantis was uh, clearly the uh, the big winner. I mean, aside from the terrific uh, photograph on the front page of the, <laughs> of the New York Post, the day before they ran the picture of President Trump as a an egg on top of a big wall uh, and with the headline, uh, Trumpty Dumpty, they... Uh, before that, the day before that, they had a picture of uh, Governor DeSantis with his very beautiful wife, Casey, and their three little kids, um, and uh, they looked great. It was a wonderful photograph. And uh, they ran the headline, The uh, Future, D-E, Future. And uh, that... That seems to be uh, the conclusion of everyone. I, I think it's very tough to find a bigger winner from Election Day than DeSantis. And he won by 20 points. He had won election as governor of Florida by less than a percentage point. Was very close. Remember, he was running against that guy, Andrew Gillum, who it turned out was uh, arrested uh, in a cocaine-riddled hotel room with uh at gay sex workers uh, and his political career former mayor of Tallahassee comes so close to beating DeSantis well this time uh, he's running against a well-funded uh, Democratic candidate former governor himself a former Republican himself and he just sailed he cruised and again he's handled himself in a very presidential manner so much so that even with somebody who's a self-identified progressive and a Democrat, Bill Maher defended DeSantis against some of the left-wing attacks against him. Uh, this is Bill Maher uh, on his show with uh, Ro Khanna, the Demo Democratic congressman from California, and Robert Costa. Listen. The reason why I think DeSantis is so strong is because he can do both things. He can do the performance art that seems to have you so exercised to the base, most of which I don't really know if it's that damaging. He picks a fight with Disney. Does it really affect anybody? I mean, I read the Don't Say Gay, which is not the name of the law. They called it the Don't Say Gay law. It could have been called the Let's Do Things in Schools the Way We Did Five Years Ago law. It really could have. So what I'm saying is he can do both that, but he, yes, he, he knows how to rile up the base. I agree. He's a politician. But he also can be a normal governor. In other words, after the storm, he can stand with President Biden like a normal governor does and work with him and then send some migrants to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> you know, and that's a very powerful thing to have both those elements. And uh, again, uh, is, uh, is that undeniable? 
it's undeniable. And uh, it, it, the one thing that I think is going to to be a necessity for DeSantis, assuming that he does make a race, and and I think most people assume that he will. He'll announce, he'll uh, let um, Trump have the stage to himself, for better or worse, and uh, especially considering the context could well be worse because this is a funny moment to, to announce your candidacy when there are people all over the Republican Party who are blaming you for what's been a pretty disappointing session. Well, uh, DeSantis obviously wasn't disappointing at all. Well, what he does need to work on is warming up the personality a little bit. He, he does seem strictly business, and that can be very grateful, but a uh, little touch of uh, folksiness. Apparently, he does have a sense of humor. It isn't very often displayed. Uh, Bill Maher does have a sense of humor and a sense of perspective, he continued. We have the incumbent in the White House who has beaten Donald Trump, who is the incumbent right. president with huge advantages, and just had well, a, a terrific midterm. He, he will definitely beat Trump again. Would he beat DeSantis? That I don't know. And it's going to look weird because he will be like literally twice as old as him. And just, <laughs> no, really. And DeSantis has like three little kids. You know, that always plays well in America. America likes new, it really likes strange. We want some strange. You know, you said DeSantis shouldn't run. DeSantis should run now and quickly. This is the problem, Chris Christie. Right, he could have run right. in 2011, 2012. You, sometimes in politics, you have one chance. Well, you don't. The longer you stay at the fair, the more you get beat up. The more, more like when, when Obama ran, they said he has no record. And he went, good. Great. I'm glad I have no record because people don't give a but com record. Com comparing DeSantis to Obama is like that line that Lloyd Benson had with Dan Quill as no John F. Kennedy. DeSantis okay. is no Barack Obama. Of course I mean, it's not. That's not that wasn't the right. comparison. DeSantis has, may have a, this is his moment in the sense that the Republican Party, for the first time in seven years, is starting to say, hmm, maybe not on Trump. That gives exactly. Right. Well, see, it's not just that. And by the way, to, to say that uh, Barack Obama is incomparably higher level than Ron DeSantis. Uh, by the way, even if you look at their academic record, right, uh, DeSantis is one of those people who has been outstanding at everything he's done as an undergraduate at Yale, uh, at Harvard Law School, and the Judge Advocate General uh, Corps in, in the Navy. Uh, if you look at this guy's record, it's win, 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 win. And three times, three sessions uh, terms in the United States House of Representatives, and then being elected twice as governor of Florida and working for four years as governor of Florida. I mean, Barack Obama had just been elected briefly to the state Senate in Illinois, uh, where about half the people go to jail quite regularly and had been a very undistinguished United States senator from Illinois. He was a, a remarkable orator. And uh, that was what al allowed him to run. But uh, again, this Democratic assumption that uh, uh, Barack Obama, it doesn't matter if the fact that he has no record is, uh, is an advantage. Uh, the, the truth is that when you have a record and the record is one of success that is very, very consistent, one of the things, I, you look, I'm a baseball fan, 
And DeSantis, uh, though he doesn't look like Aaron Judge uh, for the New York Yankees, he hits like Aaron Judge. No, he really does. He was the captain of the Yale baseball team. And his senior year, he batted 336, which was the highest batting average in the Ivy League. Uh, now you may say, well, every once in a while, there are Ivy League players who make it to the majors. Speaking of people who are making it to the majors, um, there's a uh, one of the successful candidates, and it wasn't at all a sure thing that he would be successful last night, I think helped himself a lot with a very moving, touching, and unexpected uh, victory statement. Who am I talking about? Well, we will let you know coming up. We'll also be speaking with Josh uh, Kroshauer, who is the senior political correspondent at Axios. He uh, writes about the midterms that no one saw coming. Uh, it's a postmortem with seven important election night bellwethers. Uh, we will uh, talk about that and figure out what is going on here. And what is it that uh, scared, apparently, so many voters against Republican candidates? Uh, there are there's commentary on that that uh, I think is profound. And uh, how do we know that people really did vote to reject extremists on both sides? Well, the evidence, it seems to me, is extraordinarily strong. And part of the reason that people voted against extremism is all of the brain-dead, stupid talk of civil war. Uh, there are new demonstrators out in Arizona who are demonstrating, uh, asking uh, the army to come in and take over the vote counting. We will, <laughs> no, really, we'll we'll talk about that, and uh, we will also be doing a review of the phenomenally successful uh, Black Panther. Are are we closer? to civil war because of what happened in this election. If uh, you're one of those people who believes that it is appropriate to consider violence when things don't go your way at the uh, ballot box, uh, you can give us a call. Uh, we'll be coming right up with uh, Josh Krauschauer on the midterms that no one saw coming. Have they become already the midterms that no one can understand we will talk about that and much more on the michael medved show in this greatest nation on god's green earth sign up today for our free weekly newsletter at michaelmedved.com